All right, honestly, I don't think brain fog is a big deal. It's probably temporary, right? It's not like that sad of an update to tell people you got brain fog. It's just our best way of describing something. Uh, I'm dull right now. I'm forgetful right now. I'm confused quite a bit. Can't focus. Can't gain that mental clarity. I got that brain fog. I don't think it's a big deal because I think it's temporary. If you just view it that way. Actually, if you view anything that's plaguing you right now as temporary, then it's fine. What's stressing you out right now? That's temporary probably, right? Then it becomes fine. The impermanence of it is beautiful. It's a way of removing the intensity of something. Most of us can't do that. Most of us just get caught up in the storm of whatever thought we have. But if you could just go, ah, it's temporary. This brain fog I have, temporary. Brain fog sounds kind of serious, though, doesn't it? Are you sitting down for this? Uh, Miss Rosenberg, your husband has brain fog. You're like, what's the medical term for it? Stop using these, like, lazy eye. What's the medical term for it? Like, jock itch. What's the medical term? We turn a lot of scientific-sounding things into easy-to-understand things, put them in layman's terms. I got some brain fog, but really, here's what it is. It means you probably are having a tough time thinking. Why? You're stressed out. You're overworked. You haven't slept enough. You're staring at your screen too much. You're living in fast forward. You haven't had enough self-care time. Who does that describe? I don't know. 82% of Americans. You stressed about something? You sleeping poorly? You overworked? You staring at that screen too much? Yeah, you probably have a little brain fog here and there. You go into a room, you go, why am I in this room? Go into a store, you go, wait, what do I need to buy here again? You open the fridge, you go, what meal is it? What day is it? What month is it? What what are we cooking? What are we eating? Am I hungry? Am I even hungry? What it was happening? A little brain fog. You call your kid the wrong name. My daughter's name is Remy. I called her Randy today. I don't even really know a Randy. I mean, I know some Randys, but I, I don't like have a Randy in my life right now. I called Remy Randy. I just looked at my wife and I was like, I got that fog. I'm sorry. I, uh. I realize there's no one named Randy in the house. And then I say it'll pass, it'll pass, it'll pass. Oh, please say it'll pass. Why you got that fog? Well, MDDS, disembarkment syndrome, it robs you of that sweet ability to focus because your nervous system is so disrupted. All of your synapses are always firing off to try to stabilize your brain and your mood, but it hits you with a spike of irritability and a spike of anxiety and you get a little spike of depression and all these things. It's actually a big deal, but it's new. The first book ever written about MDDS just came out last month and they call it a rare brain disorder. It's not that rare. A lot of people probably have it. It's just misdiagnosed all over the place. People call it vertigo or people just say, I'm a little out of it. The world feels like it's bobbing and swaying and there's some cognitive impairment, but you probably have MDDS if any of this sounds familiar. And for me, it's all about motion. Motion throws me into a tizzy. So I had a flight to Denver. I was on clonazepam for three weeks, lost some weight, couldn't drink, loss of appetite. There's some weird symptoms. There's some weird side effects with clonazepam. 
Basically, it just helps you control that breathing. It's a benzodiazepine. We've talked about this, but the reason I got a review is because when I came back to the Bay Area, I figured I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, right? And you taper off the drug. You go, I don't need this drug. I don't need that severe amount of chemicals invading my system. I guess I did, yeah, because the MDDS rushed back. Clonazepam was just masking this disorder that was ready to erupt like Mount Vesuvius. I could have picked any volcano, but I think we knew I was going with Vesuvius right there. And on a scale of 1 to 10, it's been in that 6-7 zone. Like, I've done this before. You grind through it. You have two little kids. You have a job. You have things to do, like chores and errands. You just live. People say, oh, you should just take it easy. You can't take it easy. When people say, just take it easy, you can't take it easy. You just got to keep grinding and grinding. Most of us can't just take it easy. Take a few days off. I didn't take a few days off yet. It was like at a six or a seven. It was annoying. It was frustrating. It was maddening. I go, I can't fly anywhere now. And I always kind of knew that, but I thought with modern medicine and this whole clonazepam cycle I was on that maybe there's a chance. And I know I can't get on boats and I know I can't do trains, but maybe flights because what do I want to just be here for the rest of my life? And I realize I know there's two ways of looking at it that maybe, maybe, maybe it's fine because I can drive anywhere I want. I could just drive anywhere I want. But the truth is, when you come to terms with the fact that you've probably taken your last flight, that's disheartening at a high level. And I'm looking to go into remission. We call it remission. That's how dramatic we are in the MDDS world. When I get into remission, and I've had this for 90 days. Right now I'm on day, like, I don't know, day 18. So I'm good. I was good. And then all of a sudden... I got enveloped with the type of sickness that didn't feel like a normal cold, didn't feel like the flu because the hellstorm that reached into the back of my throat like I'm gargling lava. Hey, the ground is lava. The floor is lava. It's a fun game until that lava's in your mouth. And it was swab them. Give them the swab at Kaiser. Swab them. Give them the swab at Kaiser. It was strep. So the results came back. It was strep. So they gave me penicillin. Here's what's crazy. Penicillin is obviously an antibiotic. So it's going to get that bacteria out of your system. But the bacteria is good with MDDS. That's why they say take probiotics. Get that gut bacteria going. That's the type of thing that's going to get you back on the healthy path. And you take antibiotics. And I go, can I even take probiotics anymore? What kind of World War III is happening in my gut? I'm currently taking penicillin and I'm taking probiotics. Just to balance things. I don't know what I'm saying when I say balance things, but back to strep. Strep hit me so hard that I think I was crying on the inside. I don't really cry on the outside, but I looked at my wife one morning. We were making lunches and making breakfasts, and everyone's getting their teeth brushed and their hair brushed and sunscreened. And I just looked at her and I go, I can't do this anymore. I can't do this with strep. So that's when I went to Kaiser and found out. I don't know. Strep sounds like it's for kids, right? Have you had strep in the last... Two years, if you're listening right now, have you had strep throat with MDDS where the antibiotics and the probiotics go to battle in your gut? Oh, you haven't? So I officially had to take a couple of days off. And this is the part where I go, and that's rare for me because I act like the kids need me every day. I forget that sometimes kids like a sub because then it's kind of a laid back day put a lot of pressure on myself to be there every day but no i had to stay in bed for two straight days as the world was swaying 
as my vision was blurry, as my brain fog exploded into confusion, no clarity was happening. And the worst part is you don't feel present with your kids. And you know they're cute, and you know they're wonderful, but all you do is just hear noise. You can't handle streams of noises. At the grocery store today, almost had one of those classic panic, I don't want to say attacks, that's what the teens are saying about everything, but panic moments. I think we should clarify a panic attack versus I'm feeling a little panic right now because the cashier wanted to talk to me about a movie he was watching. And my baby was just about to erupt because she wanted something my older daughter had and the baby wants everything the older daughter has from stickers to every stuffy. So you got to make sure there's equity in the house. And my wife's like, I'll take her outside, but could you make sure the coffee and my spicy snacks stay on the top of one of the grocery bags? And then my daughter said, I found the otter. Let's go get the lollipop. And it was just too many things happening at once. And then the people behind me were loud. And I was just like, I kind of want to just run into the woods and live there for a week. I kind of just want to go into the wild a little bit. But you can't go into the wild. You just got to keep bagging your groceries and listening to the cashier talk about a movie he liked. And hope that you can find your wife's coffee and her spicy snacks so you don't misplace them. Like you do every week. I, every week I misplace every grocery that we're always looking for. But today was panicky. Not attack. I don't want to say attack. But it got a little panicky. And it's unnatural. It's totally unnatural. And that's kind of the best part, that there's an expiration date on this state. If it's temporary, go, oh, you're MDDS. Maybe it'll last another few weeks, maybe a month. But it ends. Typically, it has ended strep. It's already better because penicillin is doing something. Hold on. I got to take my phone off of vibration mode. That was distracting. Oh, you want to distract me right now? I'm already fully distracted by the way happy mother's day everybody it's the only reason any of us are here because of mothers all right i kind of forget where i was going with that but 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 i just know that the combination of getting sick too often and the world's not stable and i got that brain fog it's creating a podcast that you do need to buckle up for because this is going to be going in a lot of different directions okay and i think you could do it i think i could do it i don't know I actually don't know. Maybe I can't. Maybe I'm going to cry on this episode. But then I'm just going to wipe away the tears and say, I got this. I got this. And you can too. If you're like, I don't know if I can do this. Like, it's kind of a frenetic pace and it's making me nervous now. Like, if you're on the listening end of this and you're like, you know, it's like a movie like Birdman with Michael Keaton. It was an intense score the whole time. You're like, I know it's probably a good movie, but this is a lot. There's a lot for my nervous system. So if this episode's a little much, hey, you can pause it right now. Take a few deep breaths, get some fresh air, then come back. That's the beauty of a podcast. It ain't live. No, it ain't live. What's in my system every day? I'm going to read you a list of things in my system. I keep all of my pills. I'm like Colette Reardon, the old Sherry O'Terry character on Saturday Night Live. Anybody who just abused the pharmacy. Okay, I'm just going to tell you everything I'm taking so I can be upright. So I could even sit here alert enough to speak into a mic and say, hey, it's here we go. Episode 212. Welcome in. I take zinc because I once had a co-worker say he takes zinc and he didn't get sick a lot. And I take Epicor because I have a current co-worker who says he hasn't been sick all year because he takes a supplement called Epicor, which is a postbiotic. First of all, what the fuck does biotic mean? If there's prebiotics, I'm supposed to take. There's probiotics, I'm supposed to take. There's postbiotics, I'm supposed to take. And there's antibiotics that I'm currently taking. What's biotic? Do you know? Don't Google it. Do you actually know what's a biotic? Of course we don't. We just nod like a bunch of morons and go, oh, okay, biotic pre post anti what are, what are we doing to ourselves so i'm taking zinc gummy form and i'm taking epicor i bought it okay they sent it to me in the mail 
And when it arrives, I actually, I'm so dumb. I look at my wife and go, look, I won't get sick now. And she's like, you're actually believing that, aren't you? I like the fad. I'm always chasing the next fad. If someone told me, you know, all you have to do is eat raisins through your nose and you won't get sick. I'll throw the raisins through my nose, through the navel cavity. I'll snort the raisins. That's all. That's all. You could tell me anything. You know, you just put baking soda on your balls and then walk outside. And, and when a neighbor calls the cops, you go, what? So hold on. Baking soda on your body. It has to be in decent exposure laws. And what are we talking about? What was the... Oh, yeah. You could tell me any remedy, anything. And I'll do it once. I'll do it once. I'll do anything once. I've realized that about myself. I'll do anything once and then realize probably not for me. That's probably not for me. But I'm taking zinc and I'm taking Epicor. And I'm taking magnesium and riboflavin for migraines. And I'm taking something called GABA. You could Google GABA, G-A-B-A, because they say it's calming. Speaking of calming, I take that melatonin because it's calming. They say it's calming. I like calming. I'm taking that lethoxyrixine for my hypothyroidism. And I'm I'm taking, I'm talking nonsense, but I'm taking antibiotics. And I'm also taking oil of oregano because they say that's good for immune support and it makes you healthy. And then I, I take all these pills and I dip them into my Metamucil, which I swish around in a cup. And then I just throw it in my face and sit on the toilet all day. Hey, welcome in. Huh? Anyone else? Is this relatable or not relatable anymore? I forget. I forget. Is some of this just like a little bit relatable? You get enough fiber? You get enough sleep? You get enough rest? Nope, it's a hellstorm in your throat. Welcome to Strep. There'll be a Netflix show on Strep probably anytime in the next few months. And then I'll see my community of adults who can't even talk. We call Kaiser like this. We call Kaiser. Can I have an advice, nurse? I'm a grown man. And I really don't think I can live anymore like this. Can I have antibiotic? And they're like, sir, what are you saying? We need your medical record number. It's seven one two two one two. Seven one two nine seven. I don't love to. Sir, you need to come to the ER. I'm like, no, not not an ER. Just a regular appointment for a swab. Swab. They ask you before you get that swab. Do you have a very active gag reflex? What the fuck do I know? Do I have an active gag reflex? Just swab me up. Okay, it turns out I do. It turns out I do. This whole time I did. I should have warned you as I barf on the nurse. Dream a little dream for me. I did. I actually had to take two days. You have to take two with strep. You don't have to take any days with that MDDS swaying and brain fog, but you got that strep. You got to take a couple days. So I took a couple days and I wasn't sleeping at night for some reason. I don't know. I think it may be the anxiety. I don't think it, the chemicals being released. We all need brain chemicals to be released in order to sleep. I don't think they were being released. So I was having nights where it was like two hours of sleep and then just wake up and you do it again. And you're a zombie in the world. You feel like you're just watching the world around you. You're not in it. You're not like actively participating in the world. You're just kind of watching everything pass you by from the gas station to the grocery store to the daycare pickup to dinner with the family. It's all just a show in front of you. You're so tired and your eyes sting. You blink for like 12 seconds and people go, whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, he's awake. He's awake. Check his pulse. Let's do the old check his pulse. I'm only 41 and I think check his pulse is something that I've heard a few times in this house. This isn't complaining. This is just objective. So finally, after two days on these antibiotics, I got that sleep and I think I threw some NyQuil into the system too. Oh, shit. What kind of dreams are those? There's two that I had that are extra alarming. Number one is 
and tell me if this has happened to you. A dream where nothing changes? Is this possible? A continuation dream where you just dream that you're still like It's so boring that it's torture. You just dream that you're in the same clothes, on the same bed, tossing and turning. So you think it's insomnia, but there's a part of you when you do come out of it, you go, oh, that was sleep? Has anyone had a continuity dream? Like you just continue wherever the night was when you went to the mattress? I don't even know if that could happen. The other one was an, it's an end of the world. I forget if I've talked about this on the podcast yet, but have you had this dream where you know certain death is coming to not just you, but everybody, and you have to give the hugs to loved ones? It was the scariest and saddest experience I've ever had in the world of R-E-M. Rapid eye movement, not the band, because everybody hurts sometimes. That song's a lot. That song's heavy. The dream where you know we're not surviving, meteors coming, atomic bombing is imminent, virus is wiping us all out. For me in this dream, I think it was probably because of something I was teaching, but it was that we were going to be bombed, and I already started hearing the airplanes of whichever country was invading and attacking. Oh, shit. Being a history teacher, you know, you study it as you teach it and you're reading all the primary sources. You're trying to become so informed and exploring every topic and you read some raw, harrowing, jarring stuff. And it got into my dream and I was giving hugs to loved ones because we knew it was all over for the human race. Oh, are we crying yet? I think we're crying. That's not the kind of dream you want. And I wake up and go, NyQuil, look at you. You sassy little bastard just sitting on my bathroom counter. NyQuil. Get the fuck out of here. I bet there's a lot of people that have just thrown NyQuil away like it was a drug. Like, I can't have this in my house. You're just flushing it down the toilet. I can't live like this anymore. And that's just available at Rite Aid, Walgreens, CVS. What? We're just letting people have NyQuil? I want to hear what dreams you've had on NyQuil. What animal have you fought what mall have you walked through butt naked? That NyQuil dream. Who did you stab with a samurai sword in a castle with that NyQuil dream? Why were you juggling chainsaws at halftime of a Buffalo Braves game with that NyQuil dream? With that NyQuil dream. Folks, my eyes are closed right now. That's too much brain fog. Do we continue? I think we should. I think we should. I'll be fine. One thing, when I reach a point of delirium, I get on the ground like I'm an animal, and I do a little thing with the kids. It's called roughhousing. I think that's the name. It's called roughhousing with the kids because the one-year-old's almost two, and maybe she's not such a baby anymore. I call her the baby, but she knows how to roughhouse, and then the five-year-old, she could get wild. That's where a lot of hair's flying around and... People are sweaty and it, there's a lot of laughter and screams and you know someone's going to get hurt. Any parents of young kids, you do this roughhousing stuff and you're certain someone's likely going to get hurt and cry, but you just roll with it because it's kind of fun. And it's kind of risky and there's something to it that's like appealing. I called it Cirque du Soleil where I was like standing in my hands, standing in my hands and I was raising them to the roof knowing they could just collapse on me and we could bang heads i was like stand on my knees and i raise my legs and now stand on my knees okay and now you're holding my hands and then i release and i'm just like whoa this is you know acrobatic shit and we're not acrobats so someone's gonna get hurt but that's kind of one of the great attributes of this is if i'm taking all that stuff at once all the biotics 
all the meds, all the supplements, all the herbs, and all the pills, and hey, daddy's on the ground doing Cirque du Soleil, and it's fun, but someone's going to cry and scream and get hurt, and then laugh and do it again, and then laugh and do it again. We're all grinding into summer. That's why it's so depressing because it's summer weather out there. And this is still sick season. My wife's sick. My wife's in a puddle of her own sweat right now, coughing and coughing, cough drop and coughing. Sinuses hurt and she's coughing. I mean, it's Mother's Day. We had a good time. We did it. We did the picnic. We had a date night. We still grind. We even grind with the world of leisure and recreation. Like, you know, you can't just sit on the couch in a blanket. You got to go have fun. And sometimes even that's a lot. They'll go have fun. And you're, you're happy you did it at the end of the day. You're like, all right, that was a fun day. Um, but you just realize there's no curl up in a blanket anymore. There's no, there's no, there's no curl up in a blanket. Cause even a day away from your job will be spent with that NyQuil nightmare dream. I think I have a callous declaration and I'm just going to say it and then move on. I don't think anyone really cares when animals go extinct. I don't, I don't, I think maybe one out of 1000 people really do like it bothers them. It changes their mood. But I think most of us, if we read that an animal went extinct in the newspaper, I think that would affect you for less than two seconds before you're on to the next article. We're just used to it. We're used to it. And you go, why do animals go extinct? There's a lot of reasons. This is the environmental portion of the show, okay? We got to take care of the animals on this planet. Uh, okay. No, we do. But we also realize that we're going to go extinct. We know that. So we've seen the dodo bird. You Google this if you need to, but the dodo bird's gone, folks. It's extinct. And a lot of animals are critically endangered, okay? And I'm so certain that most of you don't really care. You might say you care, but does it affect your mood, your day-to-day? Are you, are you stressed knowing animals go extinct? Well, here's the question I ask my students every year. Homo sapiens, are we temporary? And all of my students go, yep. And I go, why? What's going to be the ultimate death knell? What's going to send us away? And then we all write our answers and we share. And it's a stimulating conversation, but it helps you understand mankind, humankind. Helps you understand animals and the impermanence of all of this when you start talking about, well, maybe it's a virus that wipes us out. Maybe it's that we got to a little cute Got to a little cute? I don't know how to speak. We got too cute. We created this AI and it's going to notice we're flawed and it'll turn on us like a classic Westworld scenario. Or maybe it'll be just straight civil war. We've done it before. Maybe aliens are coming. Who knows? I mean, I say you could write anything. Fantasy, sci-fi. How are we all going to end one day? Oh, it gets morbid on episode 212, but it's a discussion. And I realized something. All this unnatural stuff that we've created from Wi-Fi to antibiotics, all this stuff, you know, these homo sapien creations of how we've molded this planet, shaped this planet, paved paradise and put up a parking lot. You know, we've urbanized, industrialized, and we've kind of zapped it with technology and electronics to the point where we rely on technology and electronics. We absolutely rely on it to feel like we're having a normal existence. You need access to outlets you need to plug things in how many things do you need to plug in how many appliances do you need to plug in how many cards do you need in your wallet that allow you to go to stores and make purchases or go to hospitals and be seen this is all you know unnatural stuff that we've created to live a normal existence all the things that consume our day-to-day our minute-to-minute 
almost none of it would be considered natural when you go back to hunter, gatherer, wanderer, or nomadic even before that. Like the earliest form of what we are. But here's my new theory. And this comes from just sitting with my wife watching day turn to night. Watch the first stars and then look at constellations. I guarantee if you're with someone that has a decent brain, you get to have one of those deep intellectual conversations. My wife and I, for some reason, when we go in our backyard, maybe pour a little Chianti, look at some constellations, and we start talking about our existence, our purpose, where we've been and where we're going as a human race, we start talking about maybe all human advancement might be the natural path. Stay with me. Wi-Fi, is that the natural path? Your iPhone, Uber, Netflix, Hulu, PlayStation, Xbox. Is this the natural path electric toothbrush? Penicillin? Well, maybe, yeah. Maybe, yeah. Ingenuity and innovation is part of our wiring, and it's just going to ascend, and we're always going to resist it in the moment because we miss things, right? We miss Saturday morning cartoons. We romanticize things. We talk about nostalgic. We're always a little bit behind the old teacher says, back in my day, it used to be this way. Every old generation says, back in my day, it used to be this way, and we glorify it. We shouldn't glorify it. We should, you know, just go with the flow. We resist. We resist so many changes because we go, that can't be healthy, and that's not good, and now, oh, that's out of the bag, and that's not going to be back. Maybe all of that is natural, that we're all, the word God, I don't know how you define it, but maybe we're all just vessels of this idea, of this higher power we don't know how we got here, but we do know one thing. And I do know one thing. God, why do I have the Dirty Dancing soundtrack in my head at all times? And also, why do I have this song in my head at all times? This is my fight song. I don't like that song, but it's in my head, readily available to scream sing at any time. This is my fight song. We resist a lot of this. We do. The kids are on their phones too much. The adults are on their phones too much. There's too many apps. There's too many innovations. There's so many things we can't even explain. But the human race right now is ascending fat in a really fast pace. Our motion. I mean, we're in motion. And it is going to make a lot of older people feel even older because they're not connecting. They're gonna, not going to be able to connect with grandkids, great-grandkids. You're, gonna, you're not going to be able to connect why do the young people do that? Why do they say that? Why do they dance that way? Why does their music sound that way? Why do they access that thing that way? But that's natural. I think you could have a theory that that is all natural for it to get even more techie. I mean, how techie is going to the moon? And now that sounds old school. I teach that to my students, and we went to the moon in the late 60s. And that's all boring news to them. So... I was like, astronauts, NASA, space race? You know, I'm teaching it with the enthusiasm that I actually genuinely feel. That's old 1960s black and white footage news. They're ready for Mars. And once we go to Mars and just put some people on Mars, because that'll happen, then they'll be bored by that and want Jupiter. And then they're going to want to go rollerblading on the ring of Saturn. Oh, folks, I don't think I've made sense for a while. Are you still with me? Are you roughhousing with your kids right now, knowing someone's going to get hurt, but you're not going to stop it because you're like, you only live once, you know, and what's an injury? A, a boo-boo. You know, what? what's a boo-boo? Some kids love Band-Aids. We have Gabby's Dollhouse Band-Aids, Pikachu Band-Aids. How do you get to those Band-Aids? Kids love Band-Aids. You got to give them a way to get to the Band-Aids. 
So that means you got to pretend Cirque du Soleil auditions are coming to your town and you got to get ready quick. You know, stress damages the immune system, right? You know, it's not just like, I'm fine. It's just emotional issues, but I'm fine. You're probably not fine. You're probably destroying yourself. (laughs) Oh, that's a non sequitur. How about this one? I I don't think there's much tonight that I want to get too deep into, but 15-year-olds are filming everything they're doing. They'll be applying to jobs one day. How terrifying is that? Could you imagine? I'm just going to ask you this because I feel like a lot of the listeners right now are probably my age or even older. Could you imagine if you filmed everything when you were 15 or people were even filming you and you didn't know you were being filmed at 15, 16, 17? These are the years where you're doing dumb shit, where you're making mistakes and they used to just be able to fade away into nothingness and nowhereness. And now they're being captured into videos that are being launched onto platforms and everyone gets to see you and your future employer gets to Google you up and go, oh boy, look what you did when you were 15, 16, 17. It's all around the internet. You can't erase that from the internet. We're going to find the videos of you just simply being 15, 16, 17. But here's my theory. You ready for another theory? Right? This is a little out of the box. It'll be fine. There's not going to be this idea of canceling anyone because everyone will be cancelable. The fact that we're filming everything we do as teens, even younger than that, they're filming themselves and then they're going to apply for jobs when they're in their 20s. And these employers have to not care. That's going to be it, is that you you get this big free pass. Otherwise, everyone's canceled. I mean, really, look at you. Look at you at 15, 16, 17. All that captured on film How many employers would have said, I don't think so. If any employer had the ability to just watch you constantly make mistakes at 15, 16, 17, and they really are. They're filming each other, do everything always. They're capturing it. I don't know why they want to do this. It sounds like a nightmare. I'm so happy. There's nothing. Actually, my friend John Bush, his family had a movie camera, and we used to take it out in a central center, fell and act a fool. We'd enter stores and film ourselves acting a fool with a bunch of fun supplies, and that's all I remember. We did that a few times. John Bush's family had a camcorder. What are we doing? Every kid has a video camera, and they're always filming everything they do, forgetting that they're going to be on job interviews. But the theory I have is that it won't matter, because if it did, no one's hireable. No one's employable. So cancellations, they'll be extinct, too. We, we talk about people getting canceled for something you did when you were younger or something you said back in the day. And this does happen, but I don't think canceling is even going to exist. I don't even think the idea of someone getting canceled for a mistake they made or some shitty thing they said or tweeted or put that on the Internet. I don't think it's just going to matter anymore. I think we're going to become desensitized. I think we spent maybe the last five years thinking everything matters and we're going to find out. Oh, it didn't matter? Like this podcast right now. Does it feel like it matters right now? Maybe a little bit, but you know it doesn't? There's millions of podcasts being recorded by people who think it matters. It doesn't matter. Even the highest rated podcast, it doesn't matter at all. Oh, what are you, a nihilist tonight? What are you, just depressed? It doesn't matter, okay? It doesn't even matter, okay? How many things can a man put in a system and act like the podcast is still going to sound normal? We got to get to a point. All right. I don't think you care when animals go extinct. Are you offended by that? Or are you like, nah, he's right. Oh, he's wrong. I'll go shut. The dodo bird's gone. Yeah, the dodo bird's gone. You missed the dodo bird? No, you don't miss the dodo bird. You didn't even know. Actually, how about that? You probably didn't even know the dodo bird was gone. Did you know the hedgehog is extinct? I made that up. But you would have believed it because you don't fucking know. 
I made that up. And you're like, well, the hedgehog is extinct. No, it's not. I could have said any animal right there and really acted like I read it. You know, I just uh, saw in the New York Times that the flamingo uh, is extinct as of 9 a.m. You'd be like, whoa, I used to like the flamingo. No, you didn't. You don't give a shit. You saw it at the zoo three times in your life and you pretended to like it, but it wouldn't affect your life at all. Nothing is being accomplished on this episode. We should just stop recording and try to say smart things on the next episode because this one's all about all the biotics colliding in my system with the brain fog that exists and the brain fog's temporary. Otherwise, if it wasn't, that would be a weird thing to know you're committed to. But right now, I think it's time to just say I love you all. I do. Leave a nice rating or review on iTunes. I hope. And then um, uh, there's nothing else I have to say. I said, and then um, like there was a great third thing to say. I said, uh, leave the rating, the review, iTunes or wherever you listen. Um, buy my book, Suddenly Facing Reality. I'm reading Carrie Brownstein's book right now. She's from Portlandia. I want to be her friend. She's so talented. Actually, she's so great at everything. Sketch comedy. She's a musician. She's a writer. But then this band, Slater Kinney, I was like, okay, I'm learning about the history of a punk band. I realize that's a genre I'm not into. I have to just admit it. I'm not as open-minded when it comes to music as I would hope. I, I, I will never hear a heavy metal band where I'm like, Oh, that's pretty good. I just, I can't. Metal does not sound good to my ears. And punk, Slater Kinney, I did not like. I gave their songs a chance because I love Carrie Brownstein. And I think she's brilliant and wonderful. But punk? When I say punk, what do you think of? The Ramones? The Sex Pistols? I don't know. But I'm not feeling it. But I am feeling that book. Hunger Makes Me a Modern Girl by Carrie Brownstein. And this just became our book club. So let's wrap it up with a book recommendation. It's good. Is it great? We'll see. I'm only 50% through. All right, folks. Much love. Let's get some rest. Uh, let's recalibrate. We're all disoriented. Oh, I'm projecting. You're fine. I'm disoriented. I have tinnitus. There's ringing in my ears right now, and I probably should take something for that. I should probably email Kaiser for the ninth time today. And then I'll say, what do I say at the end? I actually don't remember what I say at the end. I'm in a moment right now that I'm not going to edit or delete because I don't do that on this podcast. I just spew it out. But I know I used to say, yep, there it is. It's in the books. I couldn't remember that I said that. It's in the books. Okay. Episode 212. It's in the books. Oh, <laughs> let's cry. I'll talk to you soon.